Welcome to Endometriosis Summit, the podcast. If you have endometriosis, treat endometriosis, or love and support someone with endometriosis, then this is the podcast for you. In season two, we explore life surrounding endometriosis, be it your gut or connective tissue or trauma or relationships. This is the podcast that embraces all the things of endometriosis. Please join our hosts, our founders, Dr. Sally Sorrell, a pelvic physical therapist and person with endometriosis, and Dr. Andrea Vidali, an endometriosis excision specialist, reproductive immunologist, and founder of Predmune. This episode is all about self-care, advocacy, and finding your voice when it comes to endometriosis and chronic pain. Featuring author and Sister Girl Foundation's founder, Shantana Hazel, we explore everything from lived experience with gaslighting to making sure your voice is heard in your own healthcare. Sit back and enjoy this powerful episode. Please welcome Shantana Hazel. Shantana is the author of 28 Ways on How to Advocate for Your Healthcare and A New Me, a Mind, Body, Soul, Health, and Wellness Journal. She has lived with endometriosis for more than 33 years. Shantana has received countless awards and proclamations from so many states, the state of Connecticut, the state of New York, Brooklyn Borough, the state of Massachusetts, state of DC, and California. A busy advocate, Shantana has co-created the Arthritis Power 2.0 app for people living with arthritis and is a patient advisory board member for Eli Lilly. I know Shantana as the founder of Sister Girl Foundation. Sister Girl Foundation empowers people every day with endometriosis, breast and ovarian cancers. They make sure that no one suffers in silence and that everyone can find their voice. Shantana is also a force of nature and my personal friend who brings positivity and light to all she does. Welcome, welcome, Shantana. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so excited. I'm always excited when I sit down with you. Like I love spending time with you, talking with you just doing anything, right? So I'm very appreciative for this moment. My sister girl right here. (laughs) I know my sister girl too. You are, I mean it when I say you're a force of nature, but you are a beacon of positivity. What drove you to become such a voice in patient advocacy? Oh, that's an easy one. Myself right? You, you spoke on my bio of over 33 years with endo. And I'm, we're going to say endo for short, just in case anyone's listening and you hear me say endo, I'm saying endo short for endometriosis. And I went through so many different challenges and I suffered in silence for a very long time, not knowing how to express what I was going through, not being heard or believed. And I just knew I didn't want anyone else to experience that. That has been Um, the issue for me for many years of saying no more suffering in silence. I want people to feel supported. I want them to feel heard. And most of all, I want them to understand the power within their voices when it comes to their bodies. So my own journey is what led me to where I am today. Now, your journey didn't just include endometriosis. You've had other health battles. It has not been easy for you to create under such circumstances. Do you want to share anything else about your other health journeys? I will. I have rheumatoid arthritis and that's another, um, it's an autoimmune disease and I wasn't listened to. No one heard me. And I, for many years, I was saying, this is what was happening to me. I was feeling this, that, and a third. And I went from doctor to doctor, right? And 
that has been the most challenging part of my life when it comes to getting diagnosed, right? I had that in endo. Trying to get diagnosed with those both, both of those illnesses has been very challenging. And so when I finally, years later, got diagnosed with um, rheumatoid arthritis, which is RA for short, it was like, wow, yes, okay, I'm excited, same as I was with endo, just excited to have a name. And so now people can know I wasn't just faking or, you know, just talking to be talking. Um, or just calling bluff. What do, what do they call it? A hypochondriac. That's what they call it, a hypochondriac. <laughs> and so I didn't want to be labeled that. So it's still a challenge for me today, you know, just going, I get treatment and things of that sort, but it's the type of treatment that I have to go through. So my body deals with a lot that people don't get to see on the outside. You see this, right, on the outside, but you have no idea of the pain because it's an invisible disease. Um, of what's really happening with me. So the RA is very challenging as well, as I said. And um, spinal stenosis is something that I deal with. Um, I also have osteoarthritis. So I have two different forms of arthritis. And, you know, the osteo is the normal wear and tear of our, our joints, right, of the body. And that is something that there's no medicine that's going to take that away. Right. So I have to have to practice daily of, you know, keeping my joints moving and doing certain things, even when I don't feel well, I still have to sometimes push myself so my joints don't get stiff and I have a harder time trying to get them to move and, and, and move about. But these illnesses, they could have taken me out. Right. I could have chose a different route, but instead I said, nope. I went through this and I'm still going through it for a reason. You know, there's chemo treatments that I have to take for the RA and you have to, they call it biologics. So you have to try different types of medications to see what's going to work. So I've been trying, I'm on that, but I'm also doing holistic things as well um, to help enhance that because I don't want to take any other type of medicine, you know, other than that right there to slow the progression of my disease down because I know what it looks like without the medicine. I've tried it that way too. It's amazing what you've been able to accomplish, not only on all the medicines, which require time, effort, and energy to get to treatment, but also to sit and write a book, which is very hard on your spine. It's very hard on your wrists. It's very hard on the joints and your fingers. All of those things really affect you. So it's, it's really amazing that you've been able to do that. I think um, one reason is because you felt driven that people need to be their own advocate in their own healthcare. I wonder before we ask you the obvious question, which is why is that? But what has the that road to diagnosis for everything that you journey through? What did that do to your sense of self and your self-esteem? Because I think when I want to give people a voice, it's so that it never damages their sense of self. What did that do to you as a person? There was a lot of dark days, to be honest. And I know sometimes within my community, the, the African-American community, the Black community, people of color, we don't talk about our mental health. And I know for me, I didn't even understand what depression was at the time. I'm like, no, my doctor would always ask, how is your mood? And that used to trigger me. And I wanted to change doctors because she was concerned about my mental health, but it didn't look that way to me because I, I didn't realize what depression looked like, right? I didn't know that, okay, we, we get depression too. So I had dark days, depression, anxiety, and just really kind of pushing myself away from everybody, not knowing that that's the depression, right? Um, I went to the suffering in silence, not sharing because people would judge what you would say, how you would behave, especially when they're not believing it. So I really, and I had a support system, which is so crazy to me because I had a support system, but sometimes not everyone was always supportive. And sometimes things can be a trigger from your support team and they not even realize that they're triggering something in you and you're not realizing that you're being triggered by something that was said or a body language. So I was really sensitive um, in that beginning stage of going through everything that I, I deal with on a regular basis. It wasn't a great time until I started really listening to 
I had an amazing doctor. Not always though. But when I got my amazing team and she was saying Shantana and she was explaining depression and all these different uh, mental health issues. And when I was talking about my anxiety, but didn't call it anxiety, was calling it just my nerves, right? Saying, just thinking I had to have bad nerves and the whole time I had anxiety. And so I got that under control. But before that had a prettier, a better picture, I'm not going to say pretty, but a better picture, it was really dark. It was dark and it felt lonely, even with a support system. Before I, before I found you all, right? Before I found people that knew what I, I can say certain things and they would understand what I was saying. We were going through the same things, just maybe a little differently or sometimes just the same, right? Before I found my tribe, it was even with the support because they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. So I really just suffered in silence and really didn't say much. I didn't complain a lot. Um, you know, I would just literally, literally be in pain and just deal with it. Thinking I had to just deal with it, right? Cause I have to be strong. I'm strong for everybody. So I have to be strong and not complain about my body, literally my organs feeling like they're falling out on the floor every second. Yeah, I think anxiety and depression is that suitcase. First of all, no one sees in those with a chronic pain disorder. But it's one we even ourselves who have these issues never unpack. And until you feel that safety and understand the dominant anxiety and depression has, it has when you go to dinner. I mean, just imagine for our listeners, if you're worried that something you're going to eat is going to trigger you, if you're worried that walking to the restaurant from the car is going to trigger you, if you're worried that the seat in the restaurant may tr trigger you for some a noise, you don't even know why you're coming home with a flare from what's supposed to be fun for everyone else. You become that person that shuts down and doesn't want to go out. And then you become the person who doesn't want to go out because you're the person who shuts down. And it, it's a, it's a terrible road. And then Shantana, I wonder, I'm getting to a question. Don't worry. Um, we had Brandon Johnson on and he talked about that in certain communities, you're just not allowed to question the doctor, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that adds to anxiety and depression, terrible, but it certainly adds to the delay in diagnosis. What was it like when you finally had to stand up and say, I'm my own advocate and I have to question everything? Oh, wow. Listen, sometimes people still don't like my pushback, right? Wow. I don't care. I still push, right? I push it all the way to the limit. But prior to getting there, I would just sit in my doctor's offices and I'm just there. I'm present, but I'm not present, if that makes sense, right? And everything that they told me to do, I did. Whatever they gave me to take, I took it. There was no research. There was no anything because in my mind, you're the professional, you're the doctor, I'm doing my air quotes. <laughs> You're the doctor. So I'm thinking, who am I to question you? The day that I got my power, I had an ectopic pregnancy. And as a result, I had to have emergency surgery. After I found out that I could have died from internal bleeding, it was like, wait a minute. So this whole time I'm expressing to doctors, my doctor, emergency room doctors, any doctor that will listen, telling them my body feel like it's on fire. No one listened. My mother, when I saw her stand up for me to say, I've had enough, enough is enough. And she demanded that they um, admit me into the hospital, right? And at that moment, I'm watching her like, that was my superhero. She's still my superhero, right? So I'm just watching her in action. My mother's very quiet. If anyone knows my mother, she's not the rowdy type. She's not gonna, you know, do all the extra stuff. But one thing she has is a very strong voice. And I saw that power in her voice at that moment. That wasn't the defining moment for me. It was after, oh, wow, maybe my 14th surgery, 14, 14, 15. Yes, listen, it has been a lot before I had to say, no, I need new doctors, I need new this, and I need new that. And at that moment, it was saying, because I was depressed and I was trying to come up out of it, still not realizing I'm depressed, I'm trying to come up out of whatever that funk was. And I looked at myself in the mirror, this is when I started Sister Girl. And I said, nope, 
I was like, get up. I kept saying, Shantana, get up. I was like, there's more to life than this. And I have such a big mouth and a big personality, but for some reason I was dumbing down or dimming my light in front of the doctors. And I knew that I was this phenomenal person. I've always known that. My mother's always spoke that into me. So I've always felt that. But at that moment, when I decided to birth sister girl, I said, you know what, no more, no more for me and no more. I'm like, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Because I know I'm not going through this for no reason. Like I, I believe everything has purpose. Everything has reason to tie to it. And I just kept saying, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with it? Because I'm suffering, but I'm not suffering in vain. And I kid you not, it was just a moment of a conversation with me and God. And here, here it is, sister girl, you know, 11 years later, here's Shantana with a, a, a powerful voice and speaking up and and rallying for other people and teaching them how to do the same instead of advocating just for you, let me teach you how to do it. So that has been my purpose in life. It's just incredible. And I think um, we are taught as women to dim down our light. Now you and me mm-hmm. happen to be people who somehow missed that class somewhere because we don't <laughs> We are not light dimmers, but there mm-hmm. we are taught as women to be uh, that our voice doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, we are taught, certainly you and I have had um, the conversation that if you did use your voice, you were categorized as the angry black woman, which is also mm-hmm. something patriarchy does to us to try to dim our light. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how you've not only found your voice, but you've taught others to find their voice. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about others, like 28 ways to advocate for yourself in healthcare, you don't have to list all 28 because I want people to buy the book. Mm-hmm. But what are, um, why do you feel that um, people need to advocate for themselves and they can't sit back and let research and doctors um, guide them? Why do you feel that their light has to shine? The light in other people definitely have to shine because you could be the way that we were 14 year delayed diagnosed, right? You could be going through medications, taking medications that can harm your body more than it will help your body. And I think we've all been through these situations and knowing the power within your voice. We talk about that in the book, you know, our voices have more power than we give credit. And this is something I say all the time. We have to understand and look at our, like truly look at ourselves and know that we are deserving to have equal health care. We are deserving to have quality health care. We are deserving to be heard. We are deserving to be respected. And so making sure that a person knows these things about themselves, because sometimes it's other things to why they don't understand the power within them, their voice. So we can teach them how to advocate every which way, but until there's underlining issues that may be happening to why their voices are low, then you have to tackle all of these different areas and not just focus on the, the body part. You have to focus on the mind, the body and the soul at the same time. So then I always teach my doctors, you can't just take care of me, the body part. You can't do that. You have to take care of me as a whole because I have other issues. So if you're taking care of, if you're my OB, you're taking care of that part, check on my mental state as well. You know, check on uh, my family life, check on personal things. So some of those things are in the book. It's just teaching people how to live how to live unapologetically, how to live for them. If you want the best quality of life, it starts in your voice. It starts with you standing up and speaking up for yourself. And even in moments when you can't, knowing, knowing this and bringing someone with you that can help you challenge all of those different situations that you may be going through so you don't feel alone. So the book is not just about using your own voice, but also bringing other people with you, your support system, building your tribe. And I talk about the tribe all the time, like building a tribe, that's important. It's so many different components that makes the book so amazing why people should advocate for themselves. It's, let me tell you something, it's life-changing. It has changed my life to a point where sometimes it's hard to put into words, 
but it has given me purpose. It has brought me to some amazing people in my life. Um, it has given me respect that I didn't even know, not that I didn't know I deserve, but I'm looking around like, you know, like there's people around me because it's so much love that has come into the room because I decided to use my voice. And sometimes that's all people need. They just need to know that they're supported. And once you started speaking up and saying, this is what I need. So it's, it doesn't start with your doctor. It starts with you telling people around you what you need, how they can show up for you, you know, things like that. But the, those are some of the things why it's important to speak up for yourself. Um, it gives you a sense of power. It, it does. I, I think it's amazing uh, when Sister Girl shows up at an event, Sister Girl shows up <laughs> at an event. How is it that you found such a tribe? Um, I think it's who I am. It's naturally who I am. Like I said, I've always been a big personality. I've always been um, a bright light. It's just in my medical world, you know, it's just was like, wait, let me just slump down a little bit because I, I'm, I'm phenomenal and maybe not everyone's going to be able to handle that. But once I stepped into that power, it's like, wait, we've been waiting for you our whole life. Where have you been? Right. And it's, it's the light that attracts light. And so this is why I feel that I've been successful in what I'm doing. You know, it's, this is not a job. This is my life. You know, this is my life's work. And so when I show up, that's why I show up and I'm authentic. People can smell, they can scent out your authenticity and they know like, okay, she's just doing it. You know, she's just coming to speak for a check. Right. Or you're coming, you're, whether you're getting paid or not, people can tell if you're just coming for the check or if you're really coming to deliver something purposeful. And when I deliver, it's purposeful. Let me tell you, I've had to speak at events that Sister Girl is at. Um, one of, in Massachusetts, I was very, very nervous. And I look out and I see the Sister Girl tribe. I see all of you there. And I... I I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not, you know, just for the podcast. You manage to fill a room and that's not the only time you fill a room with light and positivity because I think you know what we all go through somehow. Mm -hmm. And it is such a pure sense of this positivity. It's very, very incredible. It's a, I, I, when I'm having a bad day, even if I have to present, I pull it off because that's my job. But you really fill the room. It's it's really an, an incredible thing. And I think it makes everybody who's going through these chronic diseases have a home. Is that what you mm. wanted with Sister Girl? You wanted everybody to have a home? Yes, this is a sisterhood, right? And it's just a, a I don't like connections. I like relationships. Relationships are lasting. Connections is just, you know, like connecting a flight, you just coming through, passing through but the relationship is lasting, is longstanding. And everything that I see that I thought about with Sister Girl is here. And there's more to come, right? Because there's always room for elevation. And so we leave room so we can elevate. We don't say, oh, we reached the glass ceiling. No, we're still going. We're just like gonna kick through it. Um, and I have an amazing team, my family, the Sister Girl tribe. Um, my tribe is my tribe and that includes people that I, I've built relationships with because I, I don't know how I need to tap into them, right? I can go to any state and tap into someone that I've built a relationship with, whether if I need to spend the night at your house or I need to talk about a hair emergency or I'm just, I'm sad, right? You know, like I was telling you before we got on over the weekend was really tough for me. And one of my sister girls just called me out the blue. She saw something online and she just knew that it would trigger me. And so she picked up the phone and she called me and we just chat and we cried and we laughed. And, you know, it was just a moment to where I had a release. You know, I had someone that I felt safe and comfortable with that I can do that. We all need that. So when I'm telling people to build their tribes, it's building those people around you that's going to lift you up when sometimes you fall down because we all have moments to where, you know, it's just not always the greatest, right? And dealing with these health issues, every day for me is not the greatest day, but I'm gonna show up. And when I do, I'm gonna be honest about how I'm showing up. 
And so that's my sister girl tribe, right? I mean, we got brother boys in our tribe too. You know, my my son, my grandson and my brother, they just coined themselves the brother boys. So we got their support too, the support of the men. You know, everyone supports us because we support everyone. You do. I always say the person with endometriosis, everybody around them has endometriosis, right? Yes. Partner has endometriosis. If they have a child, the child has endometriosis. The mother has endometriosis. Lord knows in my house, the father has endometriosis (laughs) because it's not just one person. So the support Mm -hmm. that you've made has been amazing. Were there times along the way where you were really traumatized and gaslit? Because it, I have to believe it doesn't begin at the beginning of a success story. It begins somewhere in a darker place. Oh yeah. Listen, I've had people, oh my God, it, it was bad. It was really bad to the point where I lost friendships. I've lost relationships because of it, because people couldn't believe how one minute I'm fine and I'm like the life of the party. And then five minutes later, I'm doubled over or I'm calling to say, I can't make your event. So many times I struggled and I still showed up because I didn't wanna be the party pooper. I didn't wanna be the girl that always cried sick. So I would be sitting in places at family functions or friends events, and I would be in pain. And my husband at the time, my ex-husband, he would always see this one thing that I used to do. I didn't realize it. I didn't know it. I'm doing it, but I didn't realize what I was doing it and when I did it. I would like rub my my legs, like when I was in like a lot of pain, that was my comfort right there. That was soothing for me. Once I started, you know, he brought that to my attention. It was like, hmm, this is why I noticed I do it now when I'm in pain. And that's like, I'm bringing myself like a safety blanket and that's my safety blanket. So when he used to see me do that, that was a cue for him not being a cue, but he would, you know, let's exit, you know, it's time to go because he would see, but I still, I'm trying to push through, you know, for not just for me, but the people around me. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible trying to put the mask on all the time because people would say, there's no way you can feel this, or there's no way you can be sick today. And you wasn't sick, you know, a half hour ago. And, you know, the people in the world would make you feel that. The hospitals made you feel that, you know, they're like, oh, you're back again. You didn't fix my problem. So of course I'm back again. I'm, I'm, I felt like I'm still broken, you know? So until you fix it, I'm going to come back and forth, you know? And that was prior to the diagnosis. It was many trips, many, it, the gaslighting was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was, when I look back at it now, it was hurtful. It was very hurtful. But to me, I was just like, whatever. And I would shut people down. I would shut, like, you know, when I say shut down, I mean, not talk to them, you know, not deal with them. And I lost friends because they, like I said, they just didn't believe it. And that, that's a horrible feeling because at the luncheon, at my very first luncheon, they had to, I let them participate because I really wanted them to be a part of what I was doing. And when they read, when they read my story, I had each one of um, my close sister girls in the beginning, I had them to read parts of my story. And as they read it, they literally cried out and they was honest. And they said, we're some of the ones who didn't believe her. And that was important for me to hear those words, to say, you know, I'm sorry. They literally, I, and I felt, I felt the pain of them being sorry for what they have done. Having endo is, is not easy and it's not an easy disease for the outside world to believe, but it's real. It's real. We go through it every day. You know, there's still some people at the height of it. There's people like myself who manage, but not everyone is in the same space at the same time. So I, I always tell people, give people grace, allow yourself grace while you're going through it. It's uh Yeah. It's a journey. I think that people pleasing that sometimes are so many doubt our pain that even we doubt it sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then we're overachieving to people please. And, and we really can't, we really have to have to take a step back and take care of ourselves. Now, what do you, I said it to you before, but if you can't 
take care of yourself. Can you take care of anyone else? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not. You cannot, if my cup is empty, completely empty, there's nothing that I can do for anyone. I can't give you not even an ounce of myself. So now I tell people what I need, how I need it, how I need them to show up, especially when I'm going through whatever I'm dealing with at the moment, I know who I can lean on, but I'm honest with my emotions. You know, like when we first got on, you said, how are you? I was like, oh, I'm fine. I was like, wait a minute, let me start over. You know, I had to be honest and say, you know, I'm working through, I'm processing through something, right? And, you know, I appreciate you saying to me, if I, if I need to stop, that's okay. And sometimes we, we need that. We need people to say to us, you know, it's okay if, if you can't do it today or if you cannot finish today, you know, just let me know what you need. And I thought that that was very um, beautiful of you, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But that's why I surround myself with people like this, you know, that I can be myself, I can be honest. Even if I don't know you, I'm, <clears throat> I'm still gonna be honest, right? But I wasn't always that way. You know, the mask is somewhere thrown away in a river somewhere. There's no mask on my face anymore, right? You know, I am who I am and this is what you're going to get. But there is no um, people pleasing. There is no just trying to be something that I'm not. And I have an illness, more than one. So I'm not trying to be the girl that's completely healthy and showing up for you and breaking my body down. And now I got to recover a week because I went out and hung out with you for several hours. I can't do that to myself. I deserve better. I deserve to treat myself better. This is why in, in both of the books, you know, I have to tell people this all the time. You know, the journaling helped me. That's what literally saved my life, writing. That's why I wrote two books and I'm still writing books. But more to come. <laughs> I think that that's one thing that we get or a lot of comments that we get is that um, if they go out with their friends or if they go um, maybe to a show in the city or to when we used to go places and do things mm -hmm. um, that it'll knock them out for weeks to come and owning a foundation you and I, I know as well, you got to go to everybody's stuff if you want them to go to yours and I, I think it's very hard people don't realize the toll except for me I realize when people don't make it to mine I I get it. Right. But mm -hmm. the toll it takes on you physically to show up for others. It's mm -hmm. very hard, right? It is. It's extremely hard. Um, I used to go to one event, to the next event, to the next event in one day. And one day, because I've got so many different invites. Now, what I do, whoever catches me first, that's where I'm going. And, you know, thank you for the invite, but I have an, a prior engagement. I'm not going to try to go here for a little bit of time and go there for a little bit of time. I have to do what's best for me because that was literally running me down, trying to be everywhere and everything for everyone. Oh, absolutely not. I am everything to Shantana. You know, I, I can advocate for the world, but I'm still everything to Shantana. And I say, no, my no's are strong. And I don't know, it's not no with an explanation. No is the sentence with the period at the end, you know? And it, before I had to say no and have the excuse or reason, not at all. You know, I, I'm very safe and secure in who I am and what I stand for. And so if I tell you no, if you know me, you're not gonna take offense to it. There's gonna be no offense to anything that I say. It's gonna be, you know what? Okay, well, I'll catch you next time. And you really mean that, you know, it's not, well, I'm not going to send her another invite because she's not going to show up. We've invited her twice and she's not going to come up. I think it's impressive, impressive, the self-love that you show to say no, because that's mm -hmm. what it means to say no. And that's what it means to, to set a boundary that puts you first. It's very mm -hmm. amazing. Um, Thank you. I know that your mission is to end the silence that so often comes with endometriosis, with arthritis, with ovarian cancer, breast cancer. I know that you really want to teach people how to use um, their voice. And you talked about journaling. How did journaling help you find your voice? And how did creating, you created a journaling book to help others find their voice? I've been journaling, oh wow, for over 20 something years. 
And I remember I started doing it because I was in pain. And it was a way for me to channel my pain and everything that I was dealing with. Instead of talking to someone, I talked to my journal. So I've had stacks of journals all through my house. It's funny because my mother just found one of my journals recently. <laughs> it was like I hid this journal and I had no idea where it was. And it's so funny when she came walking in a room with the journal. But I literally have journals all through my house. Um, I feel like something's in my mouth. I like to write. And when I got arthritis, it was hard to write. And so I used to start talking through my phone. And then when I felt good, I would write it in my journal. And for me, that was so therapeutic. It was a way to actually not keep everything all in here. You know, it's so much, when you have a lot of pain inside your body, and then when your spirit is in pain, you have to have a release. And journaling was the release for me. And I learned so much about myself, even going back sometimes reading through the journals, and just seeing where I am today, it's just like, high five, Shantan, I love you. I'm proud of you. You know, you've made it through some of the darkest, most challenging times of your life, and you're standing through it. So I want other people to have that power. And they may not understand how to journal. So when I created this journal, I was like, you know what? This helped me in so many different ways. And it helped me to make decisions on things that if I look back and I say, you went through, you were struggling through this right here for X amount of time. And then when I see where I am after a, a period of time, I'm like, okay, this is how you got through that. So I'm teaching myself things about myself at the same time while I'm journaling. Um, and so when I created the A New Me, Mind, Body, Soul, Health and Wellness, it was with the thought process of empowering people to write as a part of therapy, to journal, it's self-care. You know, if we don't take care of this right here, none of this is gonna work correctly, right? Because we know this is controlling a lot of this. Because if you tell your mind, I'm gonna be depressed, not your, you can't tell your mind you're gonna be depressed because depression is depression. But if you don't have the necessary tools to help you get out of and, and process through what you're going through, it's gonna be a lot of dark days. And so from a person that suffered with anxiety and depression, these journals have been amazing. So in the journal, it, it gives you thought-provoking questions, right? Because not everyone knows how to journal. Um, I didn't know how to journal. I just started writing. I just grabbed the book and started writing. But it's just sometimes we're thinking of different things. So it teaches, it teaches you that. It teaches you about self-care, the importance of self-care and sleep, um, how to build your tribe, words of affirmation. We have to speak life. Whatever we speak, will be. And so if we're speaking positivity, I wasn't always this person, right? I, I always saw my, my son would always say, mom, you, you think the worst about stuff. And I did. I used to be so nervous and full of anxiety that everything bothered me. Once I started journaling, it li I literally start feeling a release. And so it's so important for people, whether you're going through any illness or not, just in life in general, journaling and getting getting through emotions and writing things out processing things instead of holding it in a lot of people hold things in and they don't talk about it because they don't feel like they're they're safe they have a safe space you let your journal be your safe space and that's what that became for me my journal was a place where i would say things that i wouldn't say to anyone else because no one's going to judge me in my journal but it helped me process and so the book was is just super important for people to have um having everything in one place you know, with your doctors, your illnesses, your family history, just so many different things goes in this journal that makes it super important for someone to have. Yeah, I think I've had people come to me and say, I don't, when I'm working with them, I, well, I don't want a journal because when I look back, it's so dark. Mm -hmm. But if you don't let the darkness out, how can there be light, right? Yes, yes, I like that. I like that because that's what it is. If we hold on to things, and sometimes people hold on to things and whether they're mad at someone or whatever, they're mad at themselves, write yourself a letter. I wrote myself a letter about all the things that I was mad about when it came to me, my, my illness, my body, thing that I was dealing with, what I was upset by. I made a list of 10 things that upset me the most and then 10 things that I love the most. And I was like, when I got to what I love the most, I kept writing and I kept writing. And, I, and that wasn't the assignment, but I kept writing because I'm like, wait, I love more than 10 things about myself. 
you know, so it, that literally, it, it's so therapeutic. You know, I, I, I really want everyone to get into journaling. Just try it. You know, it, it's not, it's not that you're going to get hurt if you try it. I promise you the, the journal process, if you stick with it, you will see, um, you will see progress within yourself. Right. And I also point out that um, there are now apps. Um, also, um, Google Docs has it for free and you can um, use voice to text. And it, sometimes mm -hmm. it goes right into Word. Sometimes it goes into Google Docs. And um, so that if you can't use your hands to write or if you can't sit at a desk, but maybe you could stand or move and sway and whatever that you can still journal. It shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't let go of what's good for you um, because of physical, there's always a workaround if you mm -hmm. want it. Yeah. But, yeah. I like um, what you said about writing 10 things you like about yourself. I think a lot of people are very eager to say something like my stupid uterus, my dumb knee, my my thighs are too fat, but it, it's really a challenge for them mm -hmm. to find 10 things you like. I bet you do that in the journal book, don't you? Oh, all the time. Yes. Yeah. I wrote in my journal over the weekend. Um, I needed it. I needed my own journal, you know, and it's like, I always say the professional still is processing, right? So we're all learning a lot of things together. I don't want people to look at a professional, an advocate, someone like us, and say, well, they already have it all together. We process every day. We don't have it all together, but we, we've we built tools to help us get through um, some of the hard times. And this is what both of my books serve as tools for people. It's building our toolkit. You know, I have a sister girl toolkit. And when I need certain things, I pull from it. You know, I don't try to be superwoman. Superwoman does not exist. That is just... Uh, a, a person on TV that that was just something that was great that we watched at some time, you know, Wonder Woman, she's spinning around. And, you know, if you didn't know Wonder Woman, I'm telling my age now, I'm talking about Wonder Woman. No, 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 because they made new Wonder Woman. Oh, right? that's Gal right. Gadot yes, made yes. New Wonder Woman. But I think also, because um, we have interviewed several um, therapists in the other episodes, um, you know, Wonder Woman and Superwoman, they were created by men. Mm. who really don't get who really don't get what life is like for women i i don't mean to be um ungender neutral but for this moment i'm doing that mm -hmm. and um you know that doesn't exist you don't have to do nine million things at once till your cup mm -mm. is completely empty and you're screaming at everyone right right no don't 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 and i tell people all the time because i do it i practice this myself what i'm telling people is things that i practice myself and in some days when i feel like i'm not practicing there's a mirror right by my bed so when i step out of my bed i look at myself and i have a conversation and i'm telling shantana today's going to be an awesome day today's going to be this today's going to be that i'm speaking life into my day before i even put my feet on the ground right and in doing so it helps me when I'm processing anything, right? And it, it's so funny because we feel like we have to move, 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 do this and do that. So people can think that we're great. So people can say, oh my gosh, she's so busy. Absolutely not. Hello, I, I've done so many different things in my life, but I've done them at my pace. So when it looks as if I'm a busy bee, mm -mm. I do things at my pace because I know I don't have limits. I don't put limits on me. I put, I take care of me. And it's not causing for me to do nine or 10 things that doesn't define me as an advocate. That doesn't define me as a, a, a woman. That doesn't define me as a person because I've done 20 things in one day. No, because I'm going to be crazy in my bed, snapping at people, pulling my hair out, not happy with anything or anyone because I'm burned out. Life does not mean burn yourself out. So when I have these moments, I write in my journal when, when I'm just feel like I'm doing too much, I check myself. And I was like, wait a minute, you can't take that on Shantana. You might want to take that on, but you have to say no to that because 
it's too much at this point. You've just did this, this, that, and a third. Like in March, March was such a heavy month. We were doing the Take Care Tuesdays. And so even prepping for that, it was a lot of work. And you know, it's like, well, you're just doing it online, so it's okay. No, but it's still work. It's work. You got to get the people to come on. Then you have to plan and prep what you're going to say. Then you have to do the advertising for it. So you have to think of what you're writing on social media. So your mind is just on go mode. So I took the whole April off. April was off for me. I did, you know, fun stuff that I wanted to do. I just focused on me for a second because I was focusing on everyone else for an entire month. Um, you know, I would still post and do, you know, things that I could, but I just didn't beat myself up to say, well, I have to do this because everyone else is doing it. No, I'm not that girl. Yeah. I think people don't realize what the life of an advocate is like, like they think mm -hmm. it like, oh, they post on social media and that's it. You don't realize what it takes to get speakers, to have mm -hmm. slides, to the cost and expense, not only of your own time, but of the equipment of the yeah. accounts which we get that all the time with the endometriosis summit. This should just be free. It's not free to us. Right. Um, but, you know, and then I get slammed, right? March is endometriosis awareness month. April is adenomyosis awareness month. May mm -hmm. is pelvic pain awareness month. And then June is hernia. By July, I just want to drool. And I don't think, you know, taking care of yourself has to be a priority or you're mm -hmm. never going to get through that. You know, mm -hmm. and I think you do a good job at that and you teach you. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's self-care is important. Right. That's what's really important is that you're able to teach how to do that because that is advocating for yourself as well. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. It is. And I, you know, so funny that you say that is because when I'm doing my, I have an advocacy and a take care Tuesday workshop. So when I'm doing that, I'm telling people advocacy does not start when you enter your doctor's appointments or your procedures or whatever the situation, wherever you're entering, it starts with you. Even sitting right in your home, it's like you, whatever you're doing for yourself, you're advocating for yourself to do self-care and do all these different things to take care of you. But self-care is just not um, going to get your hair done or your nails done or just going to pamper yourself. Self-care is so much more than that. Self-care is a great night's sleep. You know, self-care looks like if you need therapy, let's go get it. Let's make an appointment because you need therapy and it's okay. It, it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing because that means you're take you're honoring your space in your body to say, I need help and not being afraid to say you need help. You know, it's just, even if you reach out to a friend or, you know, a colleague or anyone and just say, I need help today. I'm not in a good space. That's self-care. That's honoring yourself. Right. I think, um, after all of the surgeries and of course, everything that went on in my normal life, I didn't get my life back until I said I needed, um, anxiety medication. And so for mm. everybody, and I say it out loud and I say it on our podcast because we've been through a lot as people mm -hmm. with endometriosis and people with chronic pain. And if you can't admit that it's time to go for help, then you can't go down a healing journey. Yeah. You know, there's no stigma in doing what you need. Now that was what was best for me. It doesn't make it best for you, but mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for help. Yes. But when you ask, you got to be receiving, right? You got to be like this, but you can't see me on the podcast, but right. you got to reach your hand out and then grab their hand. You can't ask for help and then shut down. You know, and well, I say that from experience because I've done that. It's you so know, easy for us to do that because yes. we go to doctors for 15 years asking mm -hmm. for help. And in the beginning, we're open to receiving and open. And that now we're just like, talk to the hand because mm -hmm. doctors didn't help us for so many years. So mm -hmm. I think that's a great reminder. We have to be open to receiving. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That comes when people are, when they feel safe and who they build their tribes with. You know, if you're building your tribe with someone who tears you down, it's going to be hard to stand up if the people around you are tearing you down or making jokes about certain things that you do. You know, I've had family members that make jokes about certain things, but I let them know that's a trigger for me. Like, it's not funny to me. It may be funny to you, but it's not funny to me. So I'm asking you not to do that. You know, whether it's my weight or um, medications that I'm taking or whatever the situation is, it's being vocal. But being vocal doesn't come overnight. 
you know, it's a process. And like I said, it, the process starts with you being more comfortable and loving you more. When you love the mess out of yourself, you know, it's just like, and I mean, you love the mess out, you know, everything that you've spoke negative about yourself, you love yourself until enough until that is out of your body into out of your mind, out of what you speak every day. Like you said, I can tell myself like, oh my God, you're so crazy. No, no, no. I'm speaking that to myself. I'm not crazy. But sometimes when we say things like that, it's like, it's a funny, like, oh my God, you're so crazy, girl. No, that's not funny. I'm not crazy. Don't speak that to myself. You know, it's the little things that we speak every day that we don't realize we're actually inviting those things into our space. So when I write in my, when I created the journal, it was so you can start speaking positive things into your life. It's teaching you how to do that. By the way, for all our listeners, there's science to back everything Shantana is saying. I know we're not presenting it, but it is absolutely true that your brain is patterned to believe the message that you send. I found that, Mm -hmm. um, that activity you do with the mirror every morning. Fantastic. I think we Mm -hmm. should, um, Mm -hmm. that's our call to action that everybody (laughs) listening to this podcast for the next 10 days after they listen should wake up and do what with the mirror? Speak to yourself, speak life into yourself. When you get out of your bed, put a mirror near your bed. And when you put your feet down before they touch the floor, sit on the bed and look into the mirror and speak to yourself and say, whatever your name is, I say, today's going to be a beautiful day, Shantana. It was like, you did so awesome yesterday. You know, whatever happened yesterday that you didn't get through, if you try to get through it today, it's okay. If not, it's always another day, but handle yourself with grace and with respect and honor with everything that you do, you know, show up and be present for you before you show up and be present for anyone else. Those are things that I say to myself every single day. And so if whatever it is you want to carve out for you when you get up and speak, do that. If you want to, you know, take some of mine, go ahead to get you started. If you don't know how to start, start with whatever I just said and, you know, just say, oh, you're beautiful. Tell yourself you're beautiful. Don't wait for anyone else to tell you. High five yourself and be like, oh, you're awesome, girl. You know, or, or if you're a man listening or whoever, whoever is listening, you know, just make sure that you love on you, you know, every part of you. Even when you just wake up and you got the crust in your eyes or whatever the case is, love that too. You know, be thankful, meditate. I meditate right there every single morning is where I meditate, right? You know, after I finish speaking to myself, I put my meditation on and I sit. I don't just get up. Normally we get out of the bed and we go. No, you got to take a moment to be thankful for even waking up. So those are my moments of being thankful for God. Thank you for waking me up today. Whomever you pray to, thank them for waking you up today, right? And speak what you want to have into that day and watch your day starts to transform. You know, the more positive you speak. So when things happen, you're not so um, anxious or you're not so mad about when things don't go right. You can handle it a lot better because you know what you spoke over yourself and through your life. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful process. And some days, if I forget to check my mirror first, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. I got to go back because I got to try this over. Today is not going so great. What did I miss? You know, because sometimes you do have to get up and go. But for the most part, if we practice that, um, and I started doing that with seven days. So if you do it with your seven days of gratitude, start off, even if you start with three days, you know, sometimes people can't start with the full seven. But when you start, when you start, just start, start writing gratitude, what you're grateful for. Even if you can't write it, speak it in that mirror. I promise you, this is this, like you said, there's science to back these things up. I just don't speak just to speak. You know, there's research. I, I do a lot of research, um, especially because I'm, I'm going through healing processes. Things that we go through every day may hurt us. Right. And so we're always processing and we're always healing through something. And so professional or not. You know, we still, we use the same tools that we give you because they work. Yeah, it's incredible. And a lot of people, probably including myself, the first day that you grab that mirror, it's going to be so hard to say Mm -hmm. something, but by day seven, you got it. Yes. You got it. So really we want you to try it. And then they're going to tag you where with their mirrors? Um, They can tag me. Oh, my Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. Yeah. Look at me. I'm all thinking like, what's my Instagram? Oh. <laughs> right. They can tag me on Instagram. 
And yes. that's Sister Girl Foundation, all one word, Sister Girl Foundation. And obviously, if you're going to tag at Sister Girl Foundation, you're going to tag at Endometriosis Summit also. And we can't wait to see your mirrors, which also gives us a good idea if people are still listening. So yes. Shantana, it was amazing. Tell everybody again, the names of your books, where to get them, though we're going to link them in our, um, in this um, write up and then also how to find you everywhere. Cause you're everywhere. I am. <laughs> Thank God, you know, by the grace of God, I, I am able to be in different platforms, but we are, the name of the book is the first one is 28 ways on how to advocate for your healthcare. The second one is a new me, mind, body, soul, health and wellness journal. And you can find both books on my website, which is sister-girl.org. Um, we're also on social media platforms on Sister Girl Foundation, and that's on Twitter. Twitter, no, we're Sister Girl Org on Twitter, but everywhere else we're Sister Girl Foundation. Um, you made a point too about my name. So my name is Shantana Hazel. My pen name is Shantana May. So if people is looking for the book, they may put in Shantana Hazel and they still will find the book though. But when you see it under Shantana May, that is my pen name. Um, so don't be alarmed but the book is available. I also have it on Amazon as an ebook as well. Oh, wonderful. I think you should read, you have to do an audio book because you're, I do have, a, I, I do have it. I have an audio book. I just have to release it. So you're hearing all these different things here, but I do have an audio book. We're in the process of uploading it onto Amazon. So once that's done, just follow us on Instagram. I put everything that we do on Instagram. <laughs> That's fabulous. And do you still, I've done your luncheons. I got the, the mm -hmm. necklace I normally wear when we're filming at your luncheon, but <laughs> do you still do the luncheons or no, because of COVID? No, because of, not because of COVID, but definitely no, because of COVID. Um, we, our last luncheon that we did was in 2019, but I didn't want to do luncheons anymore. I wanted to do more so of traveling and meeting people where they are. Um, not everyone can get to where we are. So I just started going and speaking and being a part of um, different countries and different states, just spreading and sprinkling a little sister girl here and there. Right. This is why I'm pushing to move the endometriosis summit in, that's upcoming in 2022 to a different state mm -hmm. because, you know, people in New York, New Jersey, they heard us already. Not, and you travel to us. I'm very lucky and very grateful, but maybe on another coast, maybe down South, maybe because everybody needs help everywhere. Plus mm -hmm. we always have a lot. We always have a zoom feed now because that's yeah. life. But anyway, so it was so amazing to have you here today. There's never enough time with Shantana um, and sister girl foundation parting thoughts on ways to advocate for yourself as we wind down today. Some of the ways to advocate, I'll give you three. And I said one of them earlier, and that is knowing and understanding the power that's in your voice, knowing that you are deserving for equal healthcare, um, quality healthcare, you're deserving, you're a human being and never feel like you have to dim your light for anyone, regardless of what business you're in, what you're doing in life, um, what journey, what part of your journey, your health journey you're on, always stand up for yourself. And the moments where you feel you're struggling, don't hesitate to grab someone from your tribe and bring them along the ride with you for support. Allow your support system to be there for you. Um, don't push them out. Tell them what you need and how you need them to show up. They may not always know what you need. Our support system thinks that sometimes that we just need space. No, when we do need space, let them know that. But for the most part, tell them how to, how to be there for you so they can show up and you're not resentful because they didn't show up. But just let them know what you need and be honest with yourself and allow yourself grace is the most important part. Allow yourself grace and focus on gratitude in your life. Well, it's just amazing, Shantana Hazel, to spend time with you. Thank you very much for joining us. And you certainly teach everybody that nobody should dim their light for anyone else because you have the brightest light of all. Thank you very, very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I love you, sister girl. Love you too. 
Like what you hear? You have two options. One, hit the subscribe button and never miss out on an episode. Two, become a supporter of the Endometriosis Summit. Your small donations go a long way for ensuring open and honest discourse about endometriosis. Link to support on our Anchor profile.